0: Welcome back to Ask God 365, a podcast where we seek to find biblical answers for life's difficult questions. Our podcast today centers around Parousia, the second coming of Jesus, and seeks to answer to the question, is war just? Let's jump in and get started. Uh, Let's review what the Bible has to say in Matthew 24. With regard to the signs of the times and the end of the age. In Matthew 24, verses three through seven, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples they came to him privately, saying, Hey, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So let's go back to the question, is war just or can war be just? Uh, The first part of this, we need to discuss the cost of war. War is a complex and often tragic phenomenon with wide ranging consequences. And it's important to note that while some individuals or groups may benefit in certain ways, the overall impact to society at large is negative, and here are some ways certain entities might be perceived to benefit from war. The arms manufacturers and suppliers, the production and sale of weapons, can be a lucrative business, and during times of conflict, there is often an increased demand for arms benefiting companies involved in the defense industry. The military-industrial complex can benefit. This term refers to the close relationship between the military and the defense industry. In times of war, increased military spending can boost the economies of countries with a strong defense sector. Next, resource acquisition. Wars are sometimes fought over control of valuable resources, such as oil, minerals, or land. Entities that gain control over these resources can benefit economically. Next, political leaders. During times of war, political leaders may experience increased support and rally their populations around a common cause. This can enhance their political standing and authority. The black market and organized crime. War can create a chaotic environment, providing opportunities for illegal activities, such as smuggling, human trafficking, and drug trade. Criminal organizations may exploit the situation for financial gain. Geopolitical influence. Some nations may strategically engage in conflicts to expand their influence and power on the global global stage. Winning wars can strengthen a country's geopolitical position. And lastly, technological advancements. Wars often drive technological innovation as nations invest in research and development to gain a military advantage. While this can lead to advancements, the human cost and destruction associated with war are significant drawbacks. It's crucial to emphasize that the overall costs of war far outweigh these perceived benefits. The human toll, loss of life, displacement of populations, destructions of infrastructure, and long-term economic and social consequences are profound and devastating. Wars disrupt the lives of ordinary people and can lead to generational trauma and instability. The consequences of war extend far beyond any short-term gains for specific groups or individuals. Peacetime efforts to address conflicts through diplomacy, negotiation, and international cooperation are generally considered more sustainable and beneficial for global stability and prosperity. There are many losers in war, most notably the The general population, consisting of fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters. Few win. These generally are the warmongers, outside forces that are pulling the strings. Let's go back in time and look at the first ever universal war. Lucifer, the high-ranking angel, rebelled against God and led a group of angels in a rebellion in heaven. This rebellion is described as a cosmic or spiritual war in the celestial heavenly realm. This is derived from passages in the Bible such as Revelation twelve seven through ten, Isaiah fourteen, twelve through fifteen, and Ezekiel twenty eight twelve through seventeen, which refer to the fall of the proud and rebellious angel, the anointed cherub, Lucifer, and one third of the angelic beings. Let's look at Revelation 12:7 through 10. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But when he was not strong enough, they lost their place in heaven, and the great dragon, or Satan, or Lucifer, was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Let's look at Isaiah 14, 12-15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Ezekiel 28, 14-17 You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub. From the midst of the fiery stones... Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom. For the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Friend Lucifer is the source of war on planet Earth. He is the author of Death and Destruction. The great reformer Jonathan Edwards states in his sermon, Wisdom Displayed in Salvation, Satan and his angels rebelled against God in heaven and proudly presumed to try their strength with his. And when God, by his almighty power, overcame the strength of Satan and sent him like lightning from heaven to hell with all his army, Satan still hoped to get the victory by subtlety or deception. This is Satan's modus operandi today, deception, deception, deception. Let's look at the great controversy that we're experiencing on planet Earth today. All humanity is now involved in a great controversy between Christ and Satan regarding the character of God, his law, and his sovereignty over the universe. This conflict originated in heaven when a created being endowed with freedom of choice in self-exaltation became Satan, God's adversary. He led into rebellion a portion of the angels. He introduced the spirit of rebellion into this world when he led Adam and Eve into sin. This human sin resulted in the distortion of the image of God in humanity the disordering of the created world, and its eventual devastation at the time of the worldwide flood. Observed by the whole creation, this world became the arena of the universal conflict, out of which the God of love will ultimately be vindicated. To assist his people in this controversy, Christ sends the Holy Spirit and the loyal angels to guide, protect, and sustain them in the way of salvation. Let's look at the Bible and what the Bible has to say on peace and war. Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This verse supports the concept of promoting peace rather than engaging in conflict. Matthew 26, 52. During the arrest of Jesus, when one of his disciples used a sword to defend him, Jesus said, Put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the the sword will die by the sword. This was a rebuke of Jesus to Peter against the use of violence. Matthew 22, verse 39. Love your enemies as yourself. This commandment emphasizes the importance of love and goodwill toward others. Promoting peace and understanding is a fundamental principle. John 18.36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place an example of Jesus that the followers of Jesus should not use force to establish his kingdom on earth. Peacemaking. As mentioned earlier, Jesus' statement in the Beatitudes, particularly Matthew 5, verse 9, is often cited. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This verse encourages all mankind to pursue peace turn the other cheek. In Matthew 5:38 through 39, Jesus teaches, "You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person, and if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also." This teaching advocates non-retaliation and resisting the urge for violent retribution. Love for enemies. Matthew 5, 44 through 45, Jesus says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. This teaching emphasizes love even in the face of hostility. Put away the sword. During Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, he rebuked one of his disciples for using a sword, saying, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Matthew twenty six fifty two. This is a warning, clearly, against the use of violence and force. The Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, verse 6, prophesies that the Messiah will be called the Prince of Peace. Many Christians see Jesus Christ as fulfilling this prophecy, emphasizing the promotion of peace and reconciliation. And this is the tenet found in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. So let's look at the topic, just war. What is a just war? The just war theory typically includes criteria for determining whether a war is just before it begins, just ad bellum, and criteria for determining how a war is conducted, just in bellow. Here are some of the key principles associated with the just war theory. Just ad bellum, just cause for war. Just cause. The reasoning for going to war must be just and cannot, therefore, be solely for recapturing things taken or con- punishing people. Legitimate authority. Only duly constituted public authorities may wage war. Next, right intention. Even with cause, a nation must intend to correct a grave public evil, and the focus should be on securing a just peace. Next, the probability of success. Arms may not be used in a futile cause or or in a case where disproportionate measures are required to achieve success. And last, last resort, force may be used only after all peaceful alternatives have been seriously tried and exhausted. The next is discussing just conduct in war, in Latin, jus in bello. The concepts of proportionality come into play, and that is that the violence used in war must be proportional to the injury suffered. This means not using excessive force to achieve the military objective. And next, as a just conduct in war, is discrimination. Civilians and noncombatants should be immune from direct attack and combatants should distinguish between military and civilian targets. Just war theory provides a framework for evaluating the justice of war, but its application can be subjective and interpretations may vary. Some argue for pacifism, and the Bible makes a pretty good case for pacifism, asserting that violence is never morally justified while others may argue for a broader understanding of just war criteria. Contemporary debates often involve considerations such as preemptive strikes, humanitarian intervention, and the impact of technologies. Sadly, war remains as hate-filled, evil, demonic, and not in God's plan of restoration and the redemption of all mankind. In John 3.16, we see, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. For God so loved the world. Key principles to meet qualifying the just war. Number one is nonviolence. The core biblical and therefore Christian principle is nonviolence. The Bible encourages followers to adopt peaceful means of resolving conflicts and disputes, promoting the idea that violence is incompatible with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Conflict Resolution. The Bible, most notably in the New Testament, notes the importance of resolving conflicts through dialogue, understanding, and re- reconciliation. We also see this throughout the Old Testament. The Bible supports implicitly that individuals and communities should seek peaceful solutions to, to disputes rather than resorting to aggression, war, or animosity. Love and compassion. The Bible emphasizes love and compassion. God is love. He hates war and conflict. War and conflict are not in God's character. The Bible encourages individuals to cultivate a spirit of love and Kindness and empathy towards others, fostering an environment conducive to peace. The role of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches the transformative power of the Holy Spirit in guiding individuals toward a life of peace and righteousness. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the key essential in promoting love, understanding, and unity among the people. Peacemakers. Peacemakers are blessed, Matthew 5, verse 9. Each individual is to actively pursue the role of peacemakers in their communities and personal relationships. Is there a moral justification for a just war? From a secular standpoint, where might equals right, you could rationalize and justify the war position just ad bellum and just. In bellow. Be mindful that this position of war and conflict and deception started with Lucifer in heaven. This Luciferian worldview has been the source and cause of the discord, hatred, death, and destruction on the earth today. The solution is a biblical one and demonstrated by the life of Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God you could readily conclude that peacemakers are children of God and warmongers children of lucifer by pouring the whole treasury of heaven into this world by giving us in christ all heaven god has purchased the will the affections the mind, the soul of every human being. When a man places himself under the control of God, becomes a child of God, the will will becomes firm and strong to do right, the heart is cleansed from selfishness and filled with Christ-like love. The mind yields to the authority of the law of love and every thought is brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The powers hitherto, members of unrighteousness and servants of sin, of hate, of war, are consecrated to the service of the God of love, the God of peace. That this redemption might be ours, God would withheld not even the sacrifice of himself. He gave himself in his Son. The Father suffered with Christ in all his humiliation and agony. He suffered as he saw the son of his love despised and rejected by those whom he came to elevate and noble and save. He saw him hanging upon the cross, mocked and jeered by the passers-by, and he hid as it were his face from him. He saw Christ bearing the sin of the world and dying in the sinner's stead. The human heart knows the love of the parent for his child. We know what a mother's love will do And suffer for her beloved one. But never can the heart of man. Fathom the depths of God's self-sacrifice. And love for every human being. Oh the cross, the cross. It is set up that we may know the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Only the cross can measure the length and breadth. The depth and height of infinite love the greatness of the Father's sacrifice for lost humanity. One day all things will be made new. No more war. In Revelation 21, the Apostle John writes the following. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also there was no more sea. away every tear he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death nor sorrow no crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away then he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new and he said to me "Write, for these words are true and faithful and he said to me It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death dear friend may the lord jesus christ help us to fulfill the calling for each and every one of us you and me to be peacemakers for we are called to be the children of god a better day is coming no more wars no more pain, no more sorrow. Thank you, Jesus. Choose you this day whom you will serve, the Prince of Peace or the Prince of War. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Ask God 365. As we discussed the topic, is there a just war? May the Lord keep you and bless you, and we hope that you will Dial in again to askgod365.com, and we trust that you are enjoying this podcast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look upon the condition of this world, we have hope and we have convincing evidence that you are coming soon. The signs of the times are about us, and we know you are a peacemaker. You are not a warmonger. May we look to you in your life here on this earth that you came to restore relationship between God and man so every human being could be a son and daughter of God. We pray for your Holy Spirit to work in us and through us and to work on the hearts of men to realize that you are the God of love. Bless us this day, bless us in our walk with you, and grant us your peace. In the mercies of Jesus, we pray, as little children, we thank you for being our God and our Father. Amen.